Cayman Nature, a journey in search of a peaceful and prosperous society with human nature as a guide. Led by your host, Adam Heyman. Welcome, everybody, to Heyman Nature. Since this is our inaugural show, I thought I'd take a second to tell you all what the show is all about. Each episode, Tyrone and I are going to examine what's going on in the world, and we're going to do so from a very particular perspective, that of human nature. We humans are amazing creatures, and we live in an amazing world. And although there's a very beautiful range of diversity in our nature, it still is the case that we have a specific human nature. We're not beavers, we're not ants, we're not squirrels, we're not dolphins. Uh, we have a specific nature, and this show we're going to investigate what that nature is and try and figure out, if we can, what environments, behaviors, laws, social norms even best suit that nature. What makes humans prosper and thrive healthily and happily? What does the opposite? And so we're going to view the news and the issues of the day through that lens and hopefully have a lot of fun doing so. So again, welcome to Heyman Nature. Awesome. Well, I know I'm going to have fun. Thanks, Adam, for um, having me join with you on Heyman Nature. I'm excited. Uh, I say we just uh, jump in right away with uh, with some with some topics. You you good with that? Amen, brother. Let's go. All right, we're gonna call this section issues. So issue number one that we're gonna talk about today: U.S. poll watch. Does any candidate have a Trump card? Oh, I see what you did there. A <laughs> Trump card. Well, uh, you've been looking at the polls, so you tell me where do you, where do you think we are? He has a massive lead on the Republican primary. I mean, an incredible thing. It's like forty points, isn't it? Yeah, it's nuts. So if we take a look at um, you know some of the websites, five thirty eight uh, right now for the Republican primary, it's showing Trump with just a forty nine percent to twenty three percent lead over Nikki Haley. Now, how Nikki Haley's in second place? Well, I'm just uh, going to tell you straight out, some polls are believable and some polls aren't. <laughs> it seems fairly obvious that the Republican wing of the, the regime that rules us is really pushing this Nikki Haley on oh, us. Oh, I agree. And I don't know. I mean, there's no way she has 23% support. I have been watching these Republican debates, and she is just awful. But she also clearly is the one who has all the military industrial complex money behind her. If you love the way things have been going with the deep state in Washington, low these many decades, Nikki Haley's your gal. <laughs> but even still, even with all that, Trump is way ahead, massively ahead. So you asked if anybody has the Trump card, uh, absent some chicanery or throwing that man in prison. I say no. I think he's a shoe in for the Republican primary. And I don't think it has that much to do with his policies. Honestly, I think this is just a, another big middle finger, uh, by Joe public, uh, against a, a regime that's viewed as criminal as, as crooked. I think people still think, uh, he got that election taken from him either by illegal or legal means. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm just scrolling through this a little bit now. We're recording this in early December, which you can kind of see here. By the time this episode comes out, these polls will be a little stale. But I think the trends haven't really changed much in the last last few months. I I, I don't really see anybody taking taking a a, a big uh, gaining any significant ground uh, against Trump. I no, mean, clearly not. How 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 Christie is still in in this primary again? This is, in my opinion, like you said, sort of a. I don't know what you want to call it, but the powers that be are keeping people like Christie and Haley in the race to serve some some no, other agenda or purpose. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, the last Republican debate just came out. There were four of them left on the stage, and you can yep. almost see the script showing. The only reason Chris Christie is there is to be a bully against specifically Donald Trump and then uh, to have the back of anybody who criticizes Nikki Haley, uh, like Vivek Ramaswamy. Right. And I would have hoped he would have taken on a little bit uh, of that popular surge and get, get some traction in the polls. It doesn't seem to be happening. But DeSantis is just withering away, which is sad. I mean, 
I hate him on foreign policy. He's way too belligerent, but he was a wonderful governor in Florida during COVID. And he, he stands against some of the woke nonsense in ways again yeah. that I don't necessarily agree with, but I like the, the trajectory But he's just wilting on the national stage. And so it yeah, looks I mean, to me like the regime is trying to prop up this uh, Nikki Haley and everybody else is just there to fulfill a role and they want to ax Vivek as soon as they can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but just take a look at uh, Chris Christie's unfavorables among Republicans. 52% unfavorable? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's he's, because he's... not that many Republicans own McDonald's franchises. But if that were to flip... <laughs> <laughs> Big Macs are going, sales are going through the through the roof. No, he's and, eminently so, unlikable. Again, he's just there. So our belt, he was, belt sales are going through the exactly. roof. Exactly, he was recruited <laughs> just to be the guy who yells at Donald Trump, who's off stage and leading by. Again, I've seen forty points that he's ahead of this. It's him up there with forty some percent, and then this tiny clumping of four remaining contestants down at around ten or fifteen. Yeah, the interesting one for me really is Vivek. Um, I what what's your general thoughts on him? Uh, I because I, I'm taking a look at this favorable, unfavorable. It's kind of about even for him. Um, I've heard some other uh, podcasters say things like um, they think he's a plant or some kind of uh, I don't know. Operative isn't quite the right word, but I mean, when you listen to what he's saying on the campaign trail and in interviews he's done, um, like when he's been on the Dave Smith podcast or whatever, I, I've never met the guy. I don't know him personally, but just taking him for his word or, or what he says, I don't know. He seems genuine to me. He seems like a smarter version of Trump. I mean, I. I'm not I sure why that's... he isn't doing better in the primary polls among Republicans. Do you I think, think it's just exactly a name recognition right. thing or, or, or what? I don't think so. I think it's something a little bit more sinister. Um, if you listen to his words and his arguments, he is exactly what you said, a much smarter version of Trump. And the people who back Trump should be backing Ramaswamy as like, just in case the deep state assassinates Donald, you know, you've got this guy in your back <laughs> pocket, but it's not happening. And to give the devil his due, Vivek does come off a little bit too polished, a little bit too smarmy. He comes off as kind of a know-it-all. Um, but I honestly think the biggest problem, and I don't have any proof for that, it's just a gut feeling, is that he's a little too brown for the average Trump supporter. I think he's got a weird last really? name. And I think hmm. in an age where, you know, they're looking at the southern border being so porous and Fox News has got people so scared that every one of these people is, you know, smuggling either fentanyl or anthrax or bombs and looking at the horrible immigration problem they're having in Europe right now. I honestly think your average Trump supporter who isn't looking at it that closely because Trump's their boy, you know, they're not looking at these priorities right. that much. But if they do, if they dip their toe in, I honestly think he's just a little too weird and foreign and brown in a time where. Americans are afraid of that. We shouldn't mm -hmm. be. We should be a melting pot, you know, but yeah. things have gotten a little weird. And I, I honestly think that's what, what's holding him back because his policies, you know, I'm not him. I'm a libertarian. I disagree with him here and right. there, but his policies are pretty mm -hmm. good, especially from that Trump perspective. I do not see why he's not getting more support except for this slightly uh, nefarious reason. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I think if if you if you had to make a prediction you think trump I, I don't know do you think he'll even be allowed to run well they're trying to prevent that from happening and i mean we have the biggest government in the history of man that throws around trillions of dollars like they're like they're nothing so it's, it's not like the stakes aren't high oh and many of them are ideologically predisposed to think he's a hitler so, I mean, they're trying to throw him in jail. They're trying to strike him from the ballot in many states. That hasn't worked so far, but it seems like they'll try anything. And if uh, they taught us in 63, they're not above whacking somebody, you know, if they don't think he should be president. So who knows? But it does look to me like if they don't do something awful, um, I think he could win the primary from prison, Eugene Deb style. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll definitely win the primary the question is can he be on the ballot 
Um, but let, let, well, let's just let's just let's just say take this scenario. Let's say for whatever reason Trump isn't in the race. He has a heart attack or just I don't know drops out for whatever reason, or just you know. I I think then at that point the Trump supporters kind of have nowhere to go but to Vivek. I mean, I think it would be a natural transition, don't don't you? Or do you think they just sit out and say, forget it, I give up, I'm not even going to vote, we're going to well, do Well, I'd like else. to hope that if that happened, they'd all of a sudden start really paying attention and adopt Vivek as their guy. But what they would actually do, I don't know. I mean, DeSantis has some arguments going for him. Nikki Haley has the winds of the regime behind her, and many conservatives, or I shouldn't say conservatives, many Republican voters are sort of habitually trained to just do what the regime tells them to do. And if they say, vote for Nikki Haley, maybe they will. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, maybe it's my own bias wanting to believe that the average Republican person even the average American has sort of gotten tired of the military industrial complex state of things. And I think Nikki Haley just represents that. And I just don't see how anybody would get behind her really. In well, a many have election. many, many have Tyrone, but it's a big iceberg. Um, the belief in the deep state. And although millions of voters are calving off that iceberg and no, you know, quitting, not believing in a national security state, not just reflexively believing whatever the Pentagon says, not even believing necessarily what your local prosecutor and cops say. Still, it's a big iceberg. So the fact that Trump and Tucker Carlson have gotten these reflexive nationalist Republicans to not believe in war is a pretty big deal, but that just doesn't turn out a dime. But more and more, it's, it's happening. I mean, that's Trump's election in 2016 was a middle finger to the establishment obviously it's not like he was showing everybody how smart and polished and experienced he was he was just saying look at me man i'm not them so you're right let me I throw that, yeah. yeah go ahead i was gonna say uh, um let me throw up another um poll site this is one that i like a lot uh have do you ever check out election betting odds it's run by john stossel definitely yeah yeah so, so this is kind of one of my my favorites because i i think this has been more accurate than most um you know, because uh, it's sort of a, a a betting sort of approach to to um, to the election, and I and I think you know you you're you're from Vegas, um, you know that uh, the sports books are usually pretty on on the right side more than they're on the wrong side of you know who's going to win the football game or or whatever it is because they're looking at it dispassionately. They're they're just looking at the odds of of any team. Uh, and on any given Sunday or, or whatever the case may be. So I like this site because to me it has that feel where it's more dispassionate and it, it and it's it's more about taking um, the odds based on um, the, oh, the, yeah. the general the general I mean, willingness to put their their money where their mouth is. So answering speak. a so, poll and giving your impression about the way things are is one thing, but how you bet your money that says a whole lot more. And. Yeah. Uh, and this does capture, you know, what people think will happen. They could be wrong, but uh, I, I trust betting sites like this a lot more than just your average poll, especially given that, as you well know, the way to make a fudged poll or an accurate poll are very, very different. And if you have an inherent bias in trying to show a result, it's easy to make that happen. You know, running yeah. an actual statistically unbiased poll is, is difficult and not nearly as profitable as, about, as doing the other thing. Right. So t taking a look at this, I mean, obviously Trump runs away with the GOP nomination. Um, but the fact that Nikki Haley is like now in second place and DeSantis is so far behind, I, it's, it's, it's just it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I don't I really don't know what's going on there other than the regime is pumping some big bucks behind her and. You know, name recognition. Although, how is DeSantis not more? I would think he'd be almost more famous than than Nikki Haley, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But well, he made some missteps early on. He waffled on the Ukraine situation, and you know, people are sort of used to. They've become sensitive to this kind of waffling. You know, you don't trust a guy who's trying to straddle both sides of an issue. And then there was Bootgate, 
I mean, that just makes any guy look bad. Uh, what was Bootgate? Uh, oh, he, the where? Yeah, Trump. Trump was like, yeah, he another, another name. Yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. high heeled boots or something, right, trying to make right. himself look taller. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he's definitely just wilting in these debates. He's not. Yeah, he's not uh, it, it cracks me up. Some of these people that get into these polls, like Ivanka Trump. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. It, but look how low Christie is. Like, how is he even on the debate stage anymore? It's like, ah, oh, good God. But he but now. Yeah, he's scripted. His role is scripted. Somebody has to do it. So, so, the, so the odds here on the the Democrat side are a bit interesting. I mean, man, still showing a whopping majority for Biden, even at this late stage, even after coming out with those comments the other day, where he said something like, you know, the paraphrase of Trump wasn't running, I I would consider not running hmm. again. Uh, so, so I mean, it, it's it's almost they're they're starting to write the script that he's he's going to be bowing out some somehow in in some way. In, in my opinion, that they're going to have him start making statements like that. Uh, I I think there's no way it's it's not Newsom for the Democrats in 2024. Although there's an argument to be made, they can't get rid of Harris. It it would just would go against all of their identity politics. To, to to dump her in favor of uh, a white guy. I mean, uh, what do you think about that? Well, there's what you say you uh, care about, identity, this, that, and the other, and then there's what you really care about, which is power. And since the powers that be, the regime, the blob, the deep state, knows how unlikable that woman is, there's no way in the world they're going to send her up in the general election. They'll find a reason to exclude her. Who knows what? Maybe they'll give Biden the uh, the ticket and then pull him at the last second for health reasons. And the DNC just does what they do and install whoever they like. Probably Newsom, but maybe it'll be Hillary Clinton. Maybe it'll be Michelle Obama. Who the hell knows? But I, I agree with you that they, they're easing him out. And if it, mm -hmm. if it comes to it, Biden, I mean, and if it comes to it, they will sledgehammer him out because he can't win. Obviously, he's he's a walking corpse. It's really tragic what they're what they're having him do these days. I, in my opinion, the two most likely scenarios for him getting out of the race are he just withdraws just for personal reasons, health, health reasons, whatever just says, you know, I, it's, it's time for me to step down. I, I could see him, him doing that, that somehow they would convince him to do that. The other thing that I think is a little bit sneakier is, um, the the prosecutions that are starting to mount against his son mm -hmm. because i think if you really want to go 40 chess in in a way you would you would you would almost convict hunter of something so that biden would be forced to pardon him and then resign because that would just be yeah you, know, you, you can't you you, you I, I think even he would have to say, I can't pardon my son and then continue to run for president. I don't know. At least at least that's the way an old politician would have would have done it, right? Yeah, they're so nakedly and blatantly and obviously corrupt. I think this is just a move. They're just dangling the prosec potential prosecution of his son in front of him saying, hey, you know, if you don't get out of here, we're going to follow through with this. And if he, he steps back, I bet they find a reason to just dismiss these charges. <laughs> I think they're unscrupulous. I think they'll do whatever they... They think they have to do to get the right person in and get the right person out. And so, yep. yeah, I think you'll see some sneaky shenanigans pave the way for greasy old lock them down and vax them Gavin Newsom to be the candidate in 2024 on the Democrat side. That's how I'd bet. Yeah. What do you think about this theory that's sort of been floating around that there's not even going to be a 2024 election? They'll invoke some sort of another national emergency or, or something like that. I think that. that's very unlikely. And yeah. the reason is because they don't need to do that. Our election systems are, after all, opaque in all 50 states. They're not auditable. Uh, in 2016, half the Democrats or so thought that that election was stolen. And in 2020, damn near all the Republicans are convinced that that election was stolen. And since you can't actually look in and audit these election results anywhere in this country why should any citizen have faith that an election even occurred and if that's true mm -hmm. i mean i don't have any evidence that it was stolen but that's what opacity means you cannot see 
So yeah. if you are a deep state and you can rig an election, well, then you don't need to declare that we we won't have any future ones. It's like, who cares? Yeah, we'll have an election and someone will win. It'll be the guy I want to win. I yeah. hope we're not there, <laughs> but I, I wish we had a more transparent election system. That's That's for sure. Well, I think 2024 is going to be crazy. I think it's too early to even think of For all sure. the factors that are going to happen. I mean, what's happening in the commercial real estate and inflation and jobs. Uh, it's, I don't know. Next year is going to be crazy. So I imagine we're going to be talking about this a lot. It's going to be the number one uh, game show for 2024, <laughs> the U.S. political election. So. Uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, a lot more episodes talking about that. So let's move away from uh, U.S. politics and switch over to issue number two. International shakeup is the rest of the world sending a message. So there's been a lot of elections um, in, in in 2023 in, in Europe and, and elsewhere. Um, and they've kind of been going in some different directions. Does anybody know where Albania is? Nice try, Tyrone. <laughs> Albania is not a real country. <laughs> so I thought this was interesting because um, here the the Socialist Party um, totally dominated the elections in in Albania, uh, which which I thought was was interesting because uh, not not too far away here, just uh, you know. I'm reading this from balkaninsight.com. I want to make sure we give everybody the appropriate <laughs> credit. Um, but it it wasn't it wasn't even close. Uh, well, what's interesting is um, you've got countries like this that are going socialist, and then you've also got a bunch of countries in Europe and South America that are going much harder in the in a right wing nationalist populist direction. And I have a theory as to what's going on here. So here from theguardian.com is a headline on uh, recent elections that happened in the Netherlands. And of course, uh, I love how they always have to call out if somebody's far right. <laughs> there's no such thing as regular right. <laughs> no, there's no such <laughs> thing as just regular right or middle. If, you, if you're on the right, you're far. You're far to the, you're far right. So far, so uh, far. Uh, Dutch election results put Geert Wilders' far-right party in the lead. So uh, so in the Netherlands, you're having um, the, the opposite uh, results. And, and, and we see this happening in Hungary and Italy and, and other places where the quote-unquote far-right is um, becoming more popular. But then you have countries like Albania, uh, that's completely socialist. Uh, Spain seems like they might be heading towards some kind of civil war. Um, Germany seems to be getting more totalitarian. Um, so it, it just seems like Europe's a mess and I can't predict that it's going in one direction or another. And I can't even think of, is it an Eastern Bloc versus, uh, you know, a I don't West, think so. Western. So, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. What, what, what were you saying? You thought you had some There's kind of theory a, on it? I do have a theory. It's a sloppy theory, but it's an interesting one. And there's a lot of variables, and it's hard to isolate any one of them to try and figure out what's going on. <clears throat> so entertain for me a hypothetical. Let's say you have a government that's nothing like the one America was founded on, with a constitution that's, that's designed to keep the government small. Private property and freedom of association are basically the rule of the day. In such a system, it's like, you would end up getting a right-wing government by today's standards, just sort of, because that's what that means. But that's not the way things are. So let's say you have huge governments that distribute resources in crony ways in the country, uh, the, this hypothetical country. It makes perfect sense that these countries are going to drift socialist, and they should be doing so in big numbers. Because if what the government is doing is stealing resources from the populace and then giving it away to their uh, their favorite class, there are more poor people than there are rich uh, aristocrats. So it would make perfect sense that if you're actually counting all the votes, if the government is stealing, well, I should vote in my interest and then get some of that given to me. In fact, uh, the leading classes would need to use some sort of ideology 
to convince the masses to to prop up some smaller group. You know what I mean? Like the military industrial class isn't that large a number of people, but we funnel enormous amounts of money to them because we've got the population terrified that if we don't, the Koreans or the Chinese or the Soviets or the terrorists in the Middle East are going to all come all kill us. So if the government is stealing from everybody, it makes sense that socialism, socialism will be attractive. So the question then is, since we, we have these enormous governments all over the, the country, all over the world, why are them, why are a lot of them turning right wing now? Um, why the, the countries you just mentioned and the Netherlands here, and we're going to about to talk about Argentina, which is fascinating in a few minutes, but yeah, why are we making this sudden turn? And I can think of two reasons. Um, and both are understandable. The first is that it, the more you introduce socialism into your country, the more horror, despair, starvation, and economic nightmares you're going to get. I mean, this is almost an empirical fact at this point. It certainly is a uh, uh, um, a logical fact. So once things get horrible enough, once you get runaway inflation, uh, you maybe it's too late, but you make a turn towards a smaller government to try and fix it. And the other one, which is why so many on the left are calling these far-right leaders and elections um, so worrying and so fascistic, is because I think they're a reaction to the fact that there's so much immigration coming into these, especially Western European countries, with people that have gotten, you know, their own nation states in the Middle East and elsewhere have been obliterated, and so they're coming as refugees into these into these countries. And these new people don't want to live the same kind of political life as the people who were there before. A lot of them want Sharia law. They, they certainly don't necessarily want to live in the system of the colonials, the colonialists who have been oppressing them for so long. So you've got this situation where you've, you've welcomed these people in and these people might just want to tear down your whole civilization. I mean, it's getting rough out there. And so it is a perfectly reflexive, natural reaction to have a right-wing, nationalist, somewhat racist response to that. And I, I think you're you're seeing that. Okay. So you th you think? Do you? So you think in Europe migration is a uh, a driving issue to the right? Not massive. Just Massive. economics or massive just a change in in philosophy you think you think people aren't intellectually changing their minds they're just going for the other side because think, they I want think so okay. and uh <clears throat> and this can this can break along a lot of different uh facets like if you're getting a huge tide of immigrants it's going to turn into uh an ethnic test right-wing ethnic nationalism is, is is your natural reaction if you have a huge um, you know, welfare state problem, and it's and it's destroying your currency. You're going to get uh, a, a switch towards right wing um, austerity um, policies. You're going to get some sort of a, a pendulum pushback against what it is that you think is destroying your 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 country, your polity. And no matter which way that breaks, it's going to be called right wing, and it's definitely going to be populist. And we're seeing that pop off in all sorts of countries, including our own. I mean, what was the election of Donald Trump? If not that, you know, I, you hear this term populist a lot, populism, populist, but what the hell does it mean exactly? It's, know, a, I, it's a term with a fuzzy definition. I, 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 I don't really get it. You know, if, I mean, isn't every election a populist election? No, I mean, no, I think there's, there's such a thing as the powers that be the thought leaders, the industrial leaders, the media, the news, the politicians, the, the the leaders of the biggest universities, those ideas, if they get their way, if the people vote that way, it's not populist. It's centered towards the regime. It's elitist. But if the mass of the public breaks away from these thought leaders and, you know, torches and pitchforks in the street, that's populism. And it it's a hard term to define because it's going to look really different in each time it comes up in each country because mm -hmm. it's a reaction against what the elites are doing okay populist is against elite okay. and that's not always good I'm, by the way it can be okay. really really bad um 
like the the Cuban sure. revolution was populist and they were fighting against an equally corrupt Batista regime. You sure. Know? So it was like choose your devil. And if you're if you're being oppressed by one, you know, group wearing blue, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll vote for a, a new group wearing red, no matter how awful they are. Yeah, I mean, I like to think that people Oh, I want to say this. I would, I would, I would, I wish that people were, would be more intellectual about it, but I think you're right. I think they're just being reactionary. It's like you see a house that's on fire across the street. You don't necessarily stop to think, oh, how did the fire start? And, uh, you know, what, what can we do to prevent that in the future? You just, the first guy that comes along with a fire hose, you're going with him. That's right. That's exactly it, right. It, and I don't even it, blame him. Yeah, I don't. I mean, people... it's hard to blame them because they 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 don't have the the intellectual knowledge or capacity, perhaps. And I I don't mean to make that sound condescending. People well, really shouldn't spend their in, lives. Yeah, just capacity in terms of time. If you're a plumber, yeah, 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 with a wife and four kids, you know, you're busy. You don't have time it takes to learn right. history over the last three hundred years and learn economics and to parse. The, you know, the lies being told to you by all the idiot talking heads on the TV. I mean, you don't have any time for that. I don't, I don't blame you for just reacting, you know, and responding to the, the loudest populist voice with orange skin and goofy hair who yeah. happens to be a reality TV star in New York. I get it. <laughs> right. Right. Now, you and I, I think, would, um, I'm, I'm sure as we do some more shows, we'll, we'll be discussing, I, I think, for the purpose the point of this show is we want to talk about um, things that are happening in the real world, but connect that back to a philosophical basis, because that's kind of what interests us, the philosophy of, of um, just life and politics and, and ethics and, 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 and what have you. So we're going to connect this a little bit to, to philosophical theories. I, and I'm sure there will be times that you and I have some disagreements on things like that. But I think generally speaking, you and I both consider ourselves the, I, I hate la all these labels and terms because they can mean anything, but anarcho libertarians. I mean, would you, would you say we're that kind of suits us? Yeah. I'm not going to run away from the term anarcho capitalist, um, yeah. which is why I am so thrilled about the man who just got, uh, <laughs> who just got inducted into the presidency in Argentina, this Javier well, Malay. That leads us to issue number three. Yeah, baby. Javier who? Javier who, yeah, right. Malay yeah. saves the world or just another deep state fake? All right, you tricked me one time. <laughs> Albania's real. But is Argentina real? Is that a real place? <laughs> I don't know, but let's uh let's jump into our 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 final issue for, for the show because it's what we what we what we're really excited about as uh anarcho libertarians anarcho capitalists actually uh somebody that might be on our side actually winning something for once i i'll i don't know if it's true or if it's really going to to make a any kind of a difference i do know this i'm studying up on my spanish because <laughs> argentina might be my new home in the near future but some people are wondering how this guy just became the president of Argentina. American media are saying a right-wing Argentinian Trump just took power. But Trump believes in big government. Malay wants to disband Argentina's central bank and take a chainsaw to the state. How'd this wild-haired libertarian who believes in Austrian economics become president? Well, the 40% poverty rate for one, and the rampant inflation for another. You thought your groceries got expensive? Imagine living under triple-digit inflation. And now imagine your choices were the chainsaw guy who rants about leftists or the economic minister from the ruling party that got you into this situation to begin with. What would you do? Javier Malay is what happens when the government devalues your money, torpedoes your economy, and corrupts your institutions. We don't know if Malay will succeed in fixing Argentina's economy, but there's a lesson here for American politicians. At some point, reckless spending and trampling on citizens' liberties can make the wild-haired libertarian look like the less crazy option. All right. So for people who uh, don't know, Javier Malay, uh, self-professed uh, Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist type that has a dog named Murray, just won the presidency in Argentina. So That's Murray Rothbard, boys and girls. <clears throat> Murray that's Rothbard. Right. That's right. 
So obviously, uh, you know, you and I are very excited about that. Um, however, I think it's uh, that video that we just saw was from Reason uh, Magazine, Reason TV, obviously a, a libertarian-leaning um, organization. Uh, so, Adam, I've I've heard some different things. Um, Tom Woods just did a, a recent podcast on on Javier Millet uh, with some guests that had some interesting points. There are some concerns I've heard about him, um, perhaps being connected to. Uh, lack of better term, deep state type folks. Um, he's definitely a huge supporter of Israel. In fact, um, it, from what I what I've read and what I've heard, he's converting to Judaism. That's interesting. A bit, a bit he's only a Catholic. That would be weird. He was, he was raised Roman Catholic. Um, he was just in New York recently and met with um, a group of rabbis or or some some sort of. Uh, coalition there so i'm not really sure if what that means if it means anything if he's just playing sort of some sort of political behind Tyrone, the scenes i have so many thoughts but but i don't think someone because when you hear him speak he can quote milton friedman he can quote rothbard he knows economics backwards and forwards he's an economics professor uh you you can't fake that level of intellectual we'll call it libertarianism or whatever you want to call it. So, so I think he's for real. Um, well, what's I, I interesting, think all this other stuff is just sort of what's interesting. Know, he just got inaugurated today or sworn in or whatever the phrase is. And I'm, I stipulate that he might turn into a, a horrible fraud and mm -hmm. just be absolutely terrible. But what's interesting is he is just what I was speaking about earlier. I don't think there's a huge immigration problem in Argentina. This is a right-wing reaction to the economic nightmare that occurs when you embrace socialism. Yep. As, as in that reason, reason piece, uh, enormous unemployment, uh, inflation, year on year, like 140%, 150%. I mean, that's just, that's just chaos. Yeah. So what's interesting here, uh, like you, I worry about, what he's actually going to do. And if, even if, even if his intentions were purely pure, I don't know what he can do. He's just one guy. I mean, there's a, there's a political structure there. You know, they have, he's trying to get rid of the central bank, but that's a long involved process, even if he can. And I worry about his foreign policy, but he's just Argentina. Who the hell cares what their foreign policy? Right. It's not like they um, have a big military that no. they're going to go and, and he's, and he's, you know, so he's supporting Israel and Ukraine. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I do know that his plan to solve the inflation crisis is to peg, you know, to get rid of the Argentinian peso and peg it to the U.S. dollar, which has its own problems, but at least yep. it's not 150 percent inflation. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, it doesn't surprise me that you have to sort of come to New York and suck up with the Clintons and all these other, you know, I, I don't that's care. Exactly that's exactly what I was thinking. Yep. But here's the huge red pill. Here's the thing that's got me so excited. This man won in a landslide in Argentina. It's only 56, 57%, but that's a landslide yep. in, mm -hmm. in democratic politics, especially considering all the filthy thumbs that are usually on the scale for the, the regime side of this, which he is not. And he won campaigning quoting Milton Friedman and Friedrich right. Hayek right. touting about his dog named after anarcho-capitalist Murray Rothbard. Right. He has people, and again, this, this election was huge. It got worldwide attention. It had people putting into their Google bar, what is a libertarian? And even <laughs> better, he, they had people worldwide Googling, what is an anarcho-capitalist? How do you spell that? And then he won in huge fashion. And just the fact that that can occur fills me with such hope. Um, this is much smaller, obviously, but in this country, in Kansas's biggest city of Wichita, um, a lady named Lily Wu just won the mayor race. And it's a nonpartisan race, but whenever anybody would ask her what her politics are, she'd say, I'm a libertarian. She's a registered libertarian. And you can win political office in at least two places, one of them very large, openly professing libertarian political philosophies as the best political structure for a prosperous human race. And I am just so happy about that. Even if he turns out to be a total shill, or even if he gets assassinated tomorrow. Or even if he doesn't necessarily, isn't able to get anything done because he's just the president. His party didn't win a lot of seats in their version of 
Congress. Um, so he's going to be limited. You know, I don't exactly know what the Argentinian constitution. Isn't it the case uh, that his party is only like four years old or something? Doesn't this, isn't this party question. brand new? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it, it's definitely a younger movement. I know, I know there's a lot of young people that were behind him and I think they're the ones that put him over the top. So it, it's definitely, but, but something like this doesn't also just come out of nowhere. So right. if it is just a reaction to all of their inflation and economic troubles, at least in this one case, the, so the, the person they're reacting to is a good guy. I hope. At least he has the I, right philosophy. They're not just reacting to another bad person, like the case in Cuba that you had cited, right? For sure, or even our own case. I mean, Donald Trump has problems, uh, but this guy—he, you know—he's an economics professor and yep. former uh, soccer player, and plays in a plays in a rock and roll band, a Stones band, or something. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about the guy. If he can just stop some of the crazy woke stuff and environmentalist crap that's uh and you know, crony been, and, and cronyism yeah. remember these people are stealing off the yeah. backs of these poor argentinians yep. for decades i mean that's Peron right. came in in what 46 and i don't i don't imagine it was all roses before then but it was much 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 better yeah so that's I mean, decades worth of stealing from these poor uh, yeah. argentinians and finally they've had enough oh and one more white pill um I think this happens because of the decentralized nature of information these days. People can Google mm -hmm. Murray Rothbard and read, yeah. and maybe they have an epiphany about what the nature of the state is and why we shouldn't reflexively just throw more power at it, hoping it'll solve all of our human ails. So, so that gets us then to the overall theme of this episode, which is obviously we've been talking about elections. So the, the philosophical parts that I now want to move, we want to talk about, move into, um, which we're going to do in every show, sort of tie these uh, issues that we're talking about together into to a, a philosophical overarching theme um, is, is election theory. Um, I know you're friends with uh, Bob Murphy, great guy. I'm a huge fan of his. You were recently uh, on an episode of his show, uh, inter interviewed uh, with him. And I recall, um, I don't know if it was on his own show a couple of years ago or maybe an episode he did with Tom Woods on Tom Woods' show. And they were talking about, do elections matter? Does voting matter? Should you vote? Does it matter? Uh, do, do you vote? Do you not vote? What should you do? And as I recall, um, Bob, Bob Murphy's position was voting is kind of pointless. Um, I don't. I don't recall if he said he doesn't vote at all or it doesn't matter. As I recall, he said it really might only matter if you were perhaps in a swing state like Ohio. But where where you and I live, I don't think our, our vote's going to change any 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 outcomes. Um, I know that I've been voting, you know, ever since I was eighteen, um, and not one single person I've ever voted for has ever won <laughs> and and i sometimes ask myself you know what, what's the point of voting or people ask me well why do you vote if you're you're an anarchist and, and to be honest my answer is just because i think it's fun when when i was 18 you know was, i was so excited to go vote for my first time and there's something about just the I don't know, nostalgia of it or, or the, the pomp and circumstance of it. And yeah, I'm an anarchist. I don't want there to be a government, but election night is like Super Bowl for me. It's, it's, it's fun to watch and I love watching politics. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about election theory. Uh, I don't know. Do you vote? Do you not, uh, do you not vote? What, what's, what's your thoughts? You know, and, and you'll always hear, you'll always hear this. Well, if you don't vote, then you can't complain about the system that you know, which is just this well, uh, argument I've vote. ever heard. But okay, I do vote, and uh, it's only fitting that I do. A few years ago, I joined the Libertarian Political Party here in Nevada, and I'm in its leadership structure, so I'd better vote. <laughs> and I uh, earlier this year got on the Libertarian National Committee as the Region One Rep. So yeah, I'm part of a political party. I I should vote, and I can steal man the argument for not voting. Um, in a in a purely libertarian anarchist sense, voting is evil. If you are able to just vote yourself 
the property of somebody else, you know, just by pulling a, le- a lever, that's kind of evil. If you can vote and, and conscript all young men under 30 years old to go fight in some war you want, you know, that's evil. You're, you're, you're kidnapping them and forcing them to either kill or be killed. So in, in a democracy with a large state, there's something really wrong with voting. That said, we do live in that state. And even in the examples, you know, a person like Bob Murphy might cite, you know, your vote doesn't matter unless it literally comes to a, a tie of 65 million and change and 65 million and change. And you're the only, you know, it's very rare that your vote is actually going to cast the, you know, swing the needle one way or the other. And yet I still think it's dumb to not vote because in this system, and as a, as a stipulation or a caveat, let's assume that the, the votes aren't rigged. But if they're not rigged, at least voting will let everybody know what it is that you want. If you don't vote for what you want, you are never going to get it. So I don't understand the position that you just sit back and watch all these horrible things in the real world happen to you as your taxes go up and your regulations go up and the amount of things that you're able to do shrinks, the private sphere shrinks and the public sphere enlarges. If you don't vote and try to and at least say you don't want that, you want the opposite, well then... You didn't even try to defend yourself. And the only uh, alternative to that are people that actually do just try and slink away into the woods and live as, as agorists, which I fully endorse, by the way. Break break laws, engage in barter, don't pay taxes. You know, I'm down with all of that. Just kidding, NSA. Um, but yeah, I think I think we live in a political system, whether we like it or not. These these people insist you signed a social contract that the first second you drew breath, breath and screamed in this world. So until we can abolish the state, which I believe is barbaric, until we do that, exercise your rights within it and vote and tell these people what you do want. You do want less government. I want none, but at least vote for less. Right. Uh, you know, people will, people who aren't of, of my philosophical persuasion, you know, friends or family or whatever will say, well, if you're, you're an anarchist, then why are you involved in politics at all? I, I'm also a member of the Libertarian Party, um, have been for a long, long time. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a rarity. I'm a second generation libertarian. I was raised by a libertarian. My father nice. was taking me to uh, libertarian state conventions when I was nice. 14, 14 years old, you know, and, and things like that. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a rarity in that sense that I've just grown up with it and it's sort of second nature to me, but, and, and I wasn't always an anarchist. You know, I think that's sort of a typical journey that, that a lot of libertarians take. You start as you know, limited government type and realize, well, if smaller is better then there's nothing smaller than zero. Um, but, um, the, the point I'm trying to make with, with the, the elections or even participating in politics is that yes, it's true. I don't want there to be a government, but that's not the world I live in. And the world I live in is one where every four years, a huge event comes along that everybody pays attention to. And it's the one time that you can really get your voice or message out there. So that's why I participate in the politics. It's not that I think libertarians ever going to get elected to be president. I, I have no illusions of that. I do think though, it's a, it's an opportunity to, to spread the libertarian message. And, and at some point you get to a tipping point that if you can, you can get it to enough people. I've, I've heard that, if you can get 10% of the population to believe in something, then that's enough to make a, a, a huge difference to, to change the direction of the way something goes. We're born into this system, whether we like it or not. And in a certain sense, voting is just a defensive measure. I mean, your vote does matter when it comes to small things like local uh, referendums, uh, raising of taxes. I mean, <clears throat> your vote does count there. And just from a philosophical point, if somebody says, hey, you're an anarchist, the hell do you think you're doing participating in politics? Isn't that dirty? Right. Well, just project yourself forward about eight years when you're in a gulag, because <laughs> we might mm. be. Yeah. What if you got to vote for the guard who, who right. oversaw you? And you could go, you could vote for the guard who was going to beat you eight times a day, or the right. guy who was going to only beat you one time a day. Are you going to stand on principle and go, give me that eight, eight, eight beatings. I'm not going to vote for the one. <laughs> right. That's idiotic. Yeah. I mean, people exactly. try and hold your, if you have values, people will, unprincipled people will try and hold them over your head and beat you with them. And to hell with that. I'm, I'm, I'm in America. 
I'm in a political system. It thinks it has control over me. It taxes me every year. Yeah, I'm going to participate. I'm going to vote. I'm going to tell them what I want and what I don't want. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that says it best. Um, Adam, we're, we're up against on time here. I think there was one thing we wanted to promote, and that's uh, Tom Woods' new book. Oh, um, absolutely. I got a copy right here. So, Diary of a Psychosis. We will um, put the link to the website where you can order that and get more information in the description notes. Anything you want to quick say about it? Adam? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this book for quite some time. Tom Woods was a hero during the COVID insanity. Um, he, he has a, a, a near daily newsletter, and it's just chock full of information. And during this COVID hysteria, he, he chronicled just the worst of the abuses and lies and insanity and contradictions. And a lot of people in my life have sort of forgotten what they did to us. And I think that's a crying shame, because if we don't... <laughs> If we don't burn that into our memory, well, then when the next real or imagined crisis occurs, they're going to do it to us again. So I highly encourage people go order this book, Diary of a Psychosis. Again, we'll put the description in the link and uh, get this book. It's wonderful. Um, I highly recommend it. And, and, and it's an inoculant against the overreach of government power, which we witness all too often and just suffered through. So go get that book and read it. I, I can't recommend it enough. All right, Adam. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting me join you here as a co-host on on your new show here. And I'm I'm excited for uh, for for the content we're going to be putting out uh, in the future. Um, do us a favor, hit the like button, subscribe, uh, follow us on Substack, X, Rumble, YouTube at Heyman Nature. You'll, you'll find us you'll find us all over the place so so thanks again everybody for tuning in and I guess we'll catch you next time <laughs>